It's just like when people see the book Things Fall Apart. Who's going to read that? What's the, you know, the content of the book is in the title. Yeah, that's a good book, though. It's just things falling apart and then interspersed with people talking about yams. I don't get it. Uh, how does yeah. it have, does it have anything to do with my life as a white man? Obviously not. The moral of the story is don't shoot guns. Don't shoot guns. Um, a gun, a, a gun ruins that guy's whole life. I mean, don't shoot guns. Knock, knock. Uh, I was wondering, uh, sorry to bother you, but I was wondering if you would uh, have a minute to talk about being welcomed to the Zero Credits Podcast. That's not what it's... What? Welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John forgetting how to intro the show completely, but also coming straight at you to attack... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the whole. That's the whole slogan. Coming <laughs> right at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that case. Henry, oh. I, I didn't. I didn't think we were going to get into our rebrand so early, but we, <laughs> you know, since the cat's out of the bag, I just want everyone to know Zero Credits is rebranding as the only podcast that will attack you. I don't know why every time I mess up that part, it always turns into the same thing <laughs> where, where we threaten our, our poor dear listener. Listen, we're going to attack you. It's part of our brand. <laughs> it's part of our brand. We're coming right at you to attack. I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open a frosty beverage since I heard you oh. do the same. Oh, I always have a frosty beverage on hand. Did I say beverage? <laughs> beverage? Beverage? What is happening to me tonight? Have you watched that uh, Netflix series Bredgerton? Oh no, I haven't. Sorry, I'm not into body revisionist history. Oh, it's more bready revisionist history. <laughs> oh no, I am watching um Bread Session though. <laughs> The new season of Bread Session is is amazing. Still, my favorite character has got to be Bragg. Oh yeah, Bragg, Bragg, just fumbling through this whole this whole life. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, Succession's great. You know what else is great? I mean, Bread Session's great. Uh, what's also great is uh, this beer, which is the Elysian Full Contact Imperial Hazy IPA. Uh, I don't know that there's ever been a beer that's more me. It's branding as a dude in a weird red robe holding a pulsating brain pointing at you. And there's like a weird poem on the can. Ooh, okay. 
by popular demand, you got to read that poem. I don't know that I'd call it a poem. I think it's actually just, uh, what's prose? What's prose mean? That's just like no line breaks. Uh, I guess written word. Yeah, I guess it's prose. Uh, Cloaked in a semi-translucent haze, an imposing presence beckons you to come closer. As you do, your nose opens to a tangent of wistful memories. Peach season in the orchard, a tangerine tree on a hill, fresh honeydew cold from the fridge, and a vanilla cream soda in your hand. What kind of bittersweet initiation is this? Followed by, I cannot stress this enough, no further branding. That's some good prose. I, I, I agree with your your analysis. That is indeed prose and well written prose at that. It's uh, very strange for a beer uh, to have a, a prosaic uh, section like that, not followed by something like "and these are the flavors you'll experience in this right. beer." No, it just leaves it to what it is. That reminds me very much of what you might find on the back of a wine bottle. Yes, uh, you you can find pros on some wine bottles, certainly. But usually, yeah, sometimes the wine bottles will say there's notes of this or that, and you'll you'll agree that you taste them, but really, it's just good wine. I will say that this beer, the Elysian Full Contact Imperial Hazy IPA, uh, is pretty delicious, and I think it nails all of those uh, kind of alluded to tasting notes it's really refreshing it is an imperial ipa so it's it, it's a little cloying because it's high alcohol i think it's like 8.9 percent or something but it's very tasty i highly recommend it while it's in stores oh is it a seasonal item it's the first time i've seen it so i imagine it will go away eventually as all things must and i if you're wondering what i'm drinking tonight it's more of the same stuff i've all i'm always drinking uh, because once you move to the suburbs and you you work for a living, it, you stop experiencing new things and you just sl- slowly sort of circle the drain until you die. Uh, well, what is it, Henry? Oh, this is a Shiner Ruby Redbird uh, light summer spring drink that is uh, staying past its prime and well into the the cold and dark nights of, of November. For a recent... Uh social event uh social event being a dinner party with all of one friend uh i bought a bunch of ruby red bird and uh just because it's a very like widely uh appetizing beer and for some reason i don't know if something with ruby red bird has changed but ever since they started advertising the number of calories on ruby red bird it doesn't taste as good to me it's like the second you tell me something is low in calorie, my tongue is like, mm, not good. So here's the thing. I, I don't know. I don't think they've t- changed the uh, the formula, if you will. I don't think they've changed the flavor profile of the Ruby Redbird. But I 100% think it tastes better. Not now. Uh, I, I think it tastes better in spring or in summer. But I'm not in the mood for a Ruby Redbird. And so, and maybe the calorie has something to, to play. It says 95 calories on this bottle. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not quite sure. But, uh, yeah, I just think maybe I'm just, my, my embouchure, my. Uh, <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> when you drink a beer, you do hold your mouth in a tiny little stiff single yeah. position, right? Yes, and I hold the bottle sideways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to make a note of music. Yeah. Um, yes, but yeah, my uh, my palate isn't ready, isn't wanting the cool, crisp, refreshing taste of a Ruby Redbird right now. It wants something heavier because the nights are longer and colder and we need stronger stuff to survive this. You know, this podcast is our podcast. We can talk about whatever we want. Uh, what? I don't know if this is news to you, but we can talk about anything. I, oh, wow. Except certain things. But I went to go see Dune last night. Uh, I don't know that we should get into Dune in this episode. Uh, much to the Dune head's chagrin. Uh, the Dune heads who are listening, but I found myself ordering a live oak hefeweizen because it's getting into the colder months, and I want these more like unctuous, fermenty, banana bready beers, and it was delightful. Did that enhance your viewing of Dune at all? I don't know that my viewing of Dune could have been much more enhanced than it was because I marked out so hard. For Dune, I loved it. I mean, I really like Dune. I'm not like the world's hugest Dune fan. Uh, It's a beautiful film. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, Denis Villeneuve did a really good job of hiring just the best desert throat singers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, just the best desert screamers uh, this side of the desert. Uh, but truly beautiful. This is like the first time I've seen a movie with Timothy Chalamet in it and actually liked him. Uh, and I didn't love him, but you know, he's he's a good Paul Atreides. Yeah, he did fine as Paul Atreides, a character who I assume doesn't have much in the way of um, stuff going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. This character is a total dead end. Uh, not... You know. I don't think this is gonna. He's gonna be too important to Dune, Dune Two, more Dune. Yeah, in in Dune Two, immediately just dead. Yeah, I, I thought so. Uh, but you know, he's a good Kwisatz Haderach, uh, which is interesting. Right, yeah. In in this, should, yeah, in in this version of the film, a lot of things are are pronounced in a way that you don't really pronounce them in your head when you're reading the book, which is a, what you always have to deal with. With adaptations, it's a good movie. We can't talk about it too much. It would eat up the whole podcast, but I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, we can't get into it now. It was good. We both recommend it, but uh, no reason to talk about it here and here in the podcast. Not John when there's bigger fish to fry. Oh, there's big fish to fry. I'll the fire up big, the skillet. The movie Big Fish is getting fried. Yes. And I do mean deep fried like those JPEGs. Ah, oh, we're gonna de- deep fry a big fish. You know, I uh you know uh I don't like the movie Big Fish. It makes me very emotional, so I'm happy to hear of its demise. Oh yeah. I suppose that movie does hit different and different circumstances, but John, let's not focus on that. Instead, let's focus on the fact that we have in our hands. Fast and Furious news for the first time since the release of the beef between Dwayne John- <laughs> Johnson and Vin Diesel. Yes, which we all know is the 
a single piece of of most engaging Fast and Furious content outside of the films. It's kind of an alternate reality game, if you will. Yes, this ARG is going hard to the wall to get people interested in Fast and Furious in this brief little downtime before the two-parter finale that it's coming our way soon. And I say that as though it's going to happen. Yes, I uh, thinking through this, I cannot believe we just saw the ninth of these movies. Yeah, right? Doesn't that seem odd? I was thinking, I was like, which one do we just see? The seventh one? <laughs> yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Maybe, maybe, it's be- maybe it's because we've only seen like eight and nine like one or two times. I just think Wait. it's because the concept of a ninth movie is insane and the brain won't accept it. Star Wars. But yes, you're right. Um, Hold on. Wait, there were only six Star Wars movies. No, seven <laughs> Star Wars movies. Two or more don't count there are more of them they're out there anyway so and that's the empire strikes back <laughs> and revenge of the sith don't count you, you're forgetting about the clone wars animated movie that exists oh yes yeah that one that one is definitely canon. that brings us up to eight and then there's the uh the christmas special that's nine <laughs> there we go all canon mr vin diesel if i may be so bold as to address him as such you may. Took to Instagram in the wee hours of, I don't know when this was posted, and uh, did a uh, an open letter, if you will, to Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, asking for an armistice in their ongoing feud, which was patched up, but then was not patched up anymore. It, it's hard to keep track of. Uh-huh. Um, and I know, I know we've both experienced part of this message already, but I'm about to read it in its entirety. And we're going to take this line by line and dissect it to understand what's really being said here. And I do want to be clear. Are we going to talk about the actual picture that was posted to accompany it? Cause I've got words to say about it. I was about to. Okay, um, yes. please, please. Yes. Right. So of course on Instagram, everything has to be accompanied uh, with a picture, you can't just post words. And this is a, let me emphasize, poorly, poorly cropped picture of um, Ben Diesel's character, Tony. <laughs> what? Dom. Dom. Tony the Tiger. <laughs> Tom what Turner. are we doing this for, Henry? What are we doing this for if you don't know Vin Diesel's character's name, Fast and the Furious? Uh, I can't remember things well lately. Leave me alone. Don Toretto uh, accosting or confronting uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character, uh, not Deckard Shaw, Luke Hobbs. There we go. Um, Emphasis on poorly cropped. And I believe this is from Fast Five, uh, the introduction of of Luke Hobbs. Uh, I think this, maybe, it might be five, it might be six. I would contend that this picture is not just poorly cropped, but it is cropped and then edited in such a way to stretch Vin Diesel out, but keep yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson Wait. the same. Wait, yeah, looking at these proportions. His think... head is all, his head is fucked. Looking at these proportions, I don't think Vin Diesel's head is the size of two people's heads put together. 
I don't know what they did. I don't know how <laughs> they achieved that effect. <laughs> Look at that neck. That neck is as wide as his head. I it's either That's amazing. In my mind, they either photoshopped it this way to make Vin Diesel look bigger than him, which props, uh, or they didn't want to show the back of Vin Diesel's head or something, or there was something on the back of his head that they considered to be like not not photogenic. I have no idea. Yeah. Because you'd think if they badly cropped it, they'd stretch them both out, but they didn't. Right, it's just one badly stretched person, clearly not following the rule of thirds or anything like that, because there's no headroom here. There's no framing of the subjects within the confines of the photo. Uh, but if you unfocus your blurry. eyes, you can see a vase between their two faces. Oh, right, yes, that classic illusion uh, that happens between all very muscular men. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the picture adorning the following caption. My little brother Dwayne. The time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. <laughs> I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale that is 10. <laughs> I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Oh, boy. Wow. We, Mr. Diesel, some big words in this open letter to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, some some big, uh, concerning, almost, some might say, uh, serial killer letter style words. <laughs> All right. Let's start by going line by line. Let's start with the beginning. My little brother, Dwayne. Yes, of course. Obviously, we know. Undoubtedly, uh, without a doubt, that Vin Diesel is a petty queen who loves drama. So we yes. know what that's about. Right. And I think this pairs well with the the amuse-bouche that is this photoshopped image of, of Vin <laughs> Diesel being physically larger <laughs> and stretched it's, out it's not even that he's larger it's that he's deeper <laughs> physically longer from back of the head to nose <laughs> yes absolutely amazing uh the time has come that okay the world awaits the finale of fast 10 Oculus. then he brings his children into it which is a classic i don't know if you know this a classic pathos move. You got to make invoke children, make people think of the, the empathetic, the, the be empathetic towards children, invoke family. This is classic rhetoric devices. Obviously, Vin Diesel is nothing if not a master of rhetoric. And I'm not going to jump ahead, but I do want you to know, and people have heard a preview of this already. There's a part in the middle of this I'm really excited to get to. Oh, I can't wait. Um, 
yeah, there's not a holiday that goes by that you, they and you don't send well wishes. So it's like, hey, look, my family and you, they're on good terms. Yeah. We don't send well wishes, mind. But you and my family love each other. Uh, but the time has come. Legacy awaits. This is invoking, of course, the great epic journey that they've both been on, sort of, kind of. Um, legacy, you know, appealing to the vanity that is man, that we all want to become immortal, become immortalized in this uh, this 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 finale of this this series that has been spanning decades. And of course, this is all predicated on the fact that the you you may have covered this already, but The Rock kind of publicly said he wasn't going to do further Fast and Furious movies, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So th- yeah, to recap briefly, um, it came out that they had some disagreements on the set of one of the movies. Uh, there was that split where Hobbs and Shaw got their own spinoff, and then uh, Luke Hobbs did not appear in Fast Nine, and they were uh, kind of. Rumors of a feud that were confirmed via Instagram posts. And then the feud was apparently buried at one point. Like they buried the hatchet. They kind of apparently see saw eye to eye, according to one of them. Uh, but then in an interview later on, Vin Diesel kind of poked the bear a little too much, which resulted in Dwayne Johnson saying he was no longer going to do any Fast and the Furious movies going forward. Yes, and I think my characterization of Vin Diesel as a petty queen who loves drama uh, also applies uh, to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, these are two big men in more than one way. They've got big heads both with muscles and a little bit from ego. Yes, they have uh, both head hypertrophy, uh, but also they have huge egos. It's true. Now, this next line, I'm going to need some help uh, dissecting. Uh huh. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. Hold on. I'm holding. I do not have the faintest idea <laughs> to what this is referring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't? I don't know. I have absolutely no clue. This, this is, is this is my favorite part of it. It's so cryptic. Yes. Who is Pablo? What was the promise? And what context was the promise made? What is going on? This is the deeper mystery. Who is Pablo? They, clearly, Pablo is important to both of them. Right. And, and the fact that he has to fulfill a promise to Pablo. This is a line in a movie where, like, okay – Here's the scenario in the movie. A guy was on the force and his partner got killed. And he sweared to, like, get vengeance on the guy who killed his partner. But then he retires to the suburbs and then somebody else comes to him. And it's like, look, man, we promised Pablo we got to find his killer. That's what this feels like to me. It really, really does feel like that. The It's so strange to me that they both share this Pablo, and I also may have looked this up and do have an answer for you. Okay. Well, I know it's not my movie idea, but give me the answer. It is actually much more pedestrian and sad. Apparently Vin Diesel's nickname for Paul Walker was Pablo. I am filled with sadness. Yeah, I mean, 
All he's saying is that he made a promise to his uh, now dead yeah. friend that the movie would be good. So, you know, it's not the saddest thing in the world. But yeah. man, I was shook by that Pablo thing. I mean, invoking Paul Walker in this way. It's, I mean, not, I, it's not very respectful. Li- he, yeah, and I know Vin Diesel's probably living that promise every day, and here I am, an outsider, judging him from invoking it in an open letter to a person he's openly feuding with. I just think maybe this line appears in the private version of this and not the public-facing one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe so. I also think that it it's growing kind of increasingly cheap because he, he's like, first... My children. Yeah, now first my children. Our dead friend. Now, yeah, now our dead friend who, not to speak ill of anyone living or dead, but like, were Dwayne and Paul close? I have no idea. I, no I also have no idea. I know Dwayne and, and, and Ben were close because they stuck together through all those movies and, you know, tore quality movies out of mediocre starts, but like, all right, well, the next sentence, I'm going to read it verbatim. Uh-huh. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best fast in the finale that is 10. Okay, this is huge, Henry. What is this? This, is, this sentence is huge, and I'm amazed that you did not appropriately read into it until this point. Please, I, I'm here for the close reading. We've got a definitive title for the 10th Fast and Furious movie. It's, of course, called Fast in the Finale That is 10. And this is going to be the best Fast in the Finale That is 10 the (laughs) world has ever seen. Yeah, you know, they're going to manifest. They're going to reach and manifest the best version of the final movie called Fast in the Finale That is 10. You know, people often make fun of the naming conventions of these films, and that culminated in the series sort of poking fun back by be call- by by having the ninth movie being called F9 the Fast Saga. Uh, so, Fast in the Finale that is 10 only feels like a logical step. I mean, how many the- more ways can they massage titles... Before they just go full avant-garde. Yeah, I think people are still holding out for Fast 10, your seatbelts. I mean, it's not going to happen. I think that's too cute now, you know? With, with the revelation that is F9, the Fast Saga, they've shown their colors. They're going full serious. I mean, it's a real now-you-don't situation. You You don't do the cutesy thing just because it's cutesy. Right. You say fast ten your seatbelts for um the tagline. Yeah. Uh you you put it on a promotional material somewhere. <laughs> right, exactly. This is this is on the poster. It's in the trailers with the Reeves or whatever. I don't think this film's going to get Reeves, but it's on in the trailer with the Reeves. Uh-huh. Um but this is where the open letter takes a dark turn. I say this out of love. But you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. I take issue with this line uh, because it implies that the movies are made better by the presence of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. 
and I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't think that they're made worse. Uh, I, I think, think it's it's yeah it's it's kind of a neutral. I mean, the best showing of of Luke Hobbs was in the original uh, debut of him in Fast Five, where all of his lines were written for Tommy Lee Jones anyway. Yeah, it's got to be Tommy Lee Jones, Fast Five, first Luke Hobbs, and then Hobbs and Shaw escaping from the detention facility in Fate of the Furious. Those are the kind of the two standouts. Also, when he broke that cast and picked yeah. up the minigun, it's okay, but he's a character like all the other characters, and I don't know that I'd miss him in any of these movies. I certainly didn't miss him uh, in in F9, the Fast Actually, was he in that one? <laughs> No, he, he wasn't. wasn't. He wasn't. No. See, that's how little I missed him. I will say that there would be, and I'll be honest here, there would be a lingering little nagging sensation in my brain that, uh, well, what would it be like if he were there? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, I, I'm always like the whataboutism of it. it not in the, um, that's not, I'm not using that in the correct context. Uh, but what I mean is, like, I, I like, I don't like feeling as though there's a what if left on the table. Yes, I think that's fair. Um, th- this, this, the word choice here, though, you, <laughs> I love you, but you must do the thing you don't want to do. That is such parent talk bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's real talking down to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, that is like you have no choice kind of thing, which is, well, I don't know if if Vin Diesel has ever talked to like a professional negotiator before, um, but usually like crisis talkers and negotiators, the thing they want to avoid mostly is making the other person feel trapped in any regard. Yeah, it's not great to, uh, to make ultimatums and demands of people, typically speaking. Now, I, I feel like this next sentence kind of paints the entire message in a, a whole other light. Um, Hobbs can't be played by no other. Uh huh. Now, most of you will probably look at this sentence and laugh at it, and you're like, ah, ha, ha, Vin Diesel, this man, he tried to be smart and it didn't work. I think this shows his hand. Oh, the double negative here. Hobbs can't be played by no other. Seemingly emphatically saying that you're the only one who can play the role, but literally saying you can be replaced. And I think this shows the hand you you mentioned earlier. Maybe it's a power play. I think I think the whole letter is a power play. Oh, my God. It's four dimensional chess. It's four dimensional chess. Vin Diesel by no regards, he's not the smartest, but he's certainly not the dumbest person in the world. He has a love of film, and I think right here he's playing a little game saying, look, look, the public, I did all I could do to end the feud. It's on Dwayne Johnson to to come over to play ball. I did what I could publicly and in front of everyone while also saying he could be replaced. Yes, I I think that Vin Diesel, if nothing else, is a, a guileful tactician of the written word. Oh, yeah. I, he knows what he says, 
For sure. He selects his words very carefully. That's why he talks so slow. Absolutely. He's got to cycle through the words he knows. And he knows a lot of words. I'm not trying to knock him. He knows so many words. Uh, You know, I think an easy slot in for this is to understand that, yes, Dwayne The Rock Johnson did replace a potential Tommy Lee Jones. But that's not to say Tommy Lee Jones can't replace a Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, we don't know that... There's not a, a Tommy Lee Jones Hobbs in the family tree. And, oh, no, no, no. I just mean replace the actor, keep the character the same, and then go back George Lucas style, edit Tommy Lee Jones into every scene Luke Hobbs was in. Tommy Lee Jones throwing Vin Diesel through a wall would be great. Yeah, and all of the guns are replaced by walkie-talkies. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to finish out the letter, I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Another kind of slight dig, saying, like, be the bigger man, because I won't. And and absolutely putting it in the spotlight that he perceives him to be in a lower cowardly position by welcoming him to rise to the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. For for sure. Um, And... and one one more reason why I think this is sort of like a power play, like, a, look, look, the public, I'm trying to do everything in my power to end the feud, is that there, there's a longstanding tradition of people writing letters like this, but usually they're handwritten by directors to actors saying, like, hey, please consider this movie. I I wrote the part specifically for you, or when I was reading the script, I can only envision you embodying this. This is a longstanding tradition in Hollywood. It's been done since the very beginning. And, And I think Vin Diesel is using sort of the genre of that letter, but sort of twisting it by making it public. And also in that twist of making it public, sort of twisting the sincerity of it. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that this is something that, you know, we we could make jokes about him being like a guileful tactician, but this is a pretty savvy move for a lot of different ways. Number one, it's funny as hell <laughs> that it exists. Hilarious. I love it. I love that he did this. Uh, but also, depending on whose side you're on, it's difficult to not agree with what he's saying. Like, even if you were in the camp of believing that, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was badly mistreated or uh, didn't want to return the movies, for perfectly viable reasons, it's hard to read this and not go, oh, he's he's genuinely wanting to make the best movie possible. They're friends. He's really trying to bury the hatchet. And then uh, if you're in the Vin Diesel camp, you're like, oh, look at him taking him down. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. He's playing both sides, you know. The he, I think he does genuinely want Dwayne the Rock Johnson to be in the movie, but he's also not willing to back down and play the game as intended by, you know, normally writing or typewriting. If you're Tom Hanks, uh, a, a letter to somebody in private and and imploring them to consider it. Oh, you know, um, I don't know where the rest of that thought went. Sorry. Just a masterful power play by Mr. Diesel. Right. So yeah, he's playing both. Oh, but yeah, he, he's doing that, but not, but, but not backing down. You know, he, he won't be the one to actually compromise. 
Yeah, this is a uh, get your cake and eat it too of reaching out to a fellow actor. For sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but also accept all of my terms. <laughs> I'm sorry, accept all of my terms, and I'm also blasting this out to an audience of millions. Right, yeah. It, the, Balls in have... your court, Dwayne. Yeah, and, and you know you know what Dwayne does to this? He ignores it. It's the easiest thing in the world for him to do, is ignore it and not respond, not acknowledge it in any way, shape, or form. And then the world keeps turning, and then he he's in Jungle Cruise too, and he he moves on with his life. And this was two days ago, correct? Yeah, this happened very very recently. Let me check the Instagram for the actual date. Uh, two days ago, I have no doubt in my mind that Dwayne the Rock Johnson will not leave well enough alone, and will in fact respond to this. He might, I, or you know, the the weird thing is like they've been trading barbs. But they trade barbs in interviews with other people. I mean, maybe it comes out in an interview. I just think that they both love it too much. Yeah. I think that this is their existential kink. I think this is what their relationship is. And you know what? I bet he is in Fast 10. I bet he's in the second part. Uh, Okay. I'm I'm willing to hear that. But you're suggesting much... As Ted Cruz and Ben Shapiro are very into the internet dragging them, they've got like a weird internet humiliation fetish. Uh, you're saying that these two, the way they communicate their their affection for each other is by blasting each other in public and, and dragging out this feud. Yeah, I, I think that since they are both like well-to-do actors, that this easily could have been ended. <laughs> Like oh, he, yeah. he, it, all of this stuff is done via contract. He just could have canceled his contract or once his, his contract is up, just not be in movies, not talk about it, not show up in interviews, not make Instagram stories, but, but they love it. It's, it's how they communicate. They're probably getting more out of this form of their relationship than whatever the other professional form of their relationship was. Right. And not to get too conspiracy theory, E, E, E. Not to get too conspiracy theorist about it, but yeah, if Dwayne is already on board for these movies, what better way to drum up, drum up hype? Because we are in the middle, we're at the beginning of November. We are about two years away by best estimates to Fast 10 even coming out. We're probably maybe a, six months away from them starting to film. Or within six months, let's say. We're so far out of these projects being marketable. And here we are talking about it. Yeah, I mean, there's no better marketing strategy than getting two excessively popular, very likable meatheads to hate each other. Like, it's it's our favorite archetype of person. And you get two of those yelling at each other, everyone's going to pay attention. That Instagram post has two and a half million likes. Yeah. People are going to show up for this. People are going to show up to Fast 10, even if Dwayne The Rock Johnson is not in it, because they're like, what if he shows up? What about the feud? And here's the thing. This is all very, very much in Dwayne Johnson's wheelhouse. He came up in pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been uh, he's been cutting promos against Vin Diesel regularly. Yeah. 
No, yeah. This this is the tradition of, of drama that he was brought up in. And I mean drama in both senses of the word. Like, he is very much a, a muscle actor. And he's very much, like, I mean, the, the WWE is just full drama queen corner. And, and I mean that in the best way. It's an interesting way to get people's hooks into a story is by by creating these these drama field drama filled feuds. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a big match coming up, WrestleMania. Uh the best way to drum up interest for it is to start cutting promos against the other guy, make a relationship happen that maybe didn't exist before, and it'll be huge. Say like yeah. Vince McMahon stole all my money, so I'm going to hit him in the face of the ladder. Right. Show up in a different match and help out Help out the person who is wrestling wrestling against your your um your rival Bay. Yeah, it's perfect. Oh yeah, I, I didn't even yeah. think about this. This is so this is so far in his field of expertise. I can't believe I didn't consider this. And I'm, and you know, this is where the tinfoil hat gets really particularly wrinkly. What if he was the one to suggest the feud in the first place? Oh, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, say what you will about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, such as he's not a very good actor, which I have said on multiple occasions. Uh, I enjoy him, but he is exceptionally savvy, like oh. ludicrously savvy. There's not a, a successful wrestler alive who is not also just a stellar marketer. Yeah, I mean, arguably, he's the most successful professional wrestler ever to live, at least in terms of, like, earnings uh, and maybe, like, share of the total addressable market in terms of people who watch movies. Like, everyone fucking knows who The Rock is. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's exceptionally ev- smart. Everyone can smell what he's cooking. Yeah, that's a huge part of his gimmick is that, you know, you walk out the door, you're like, huh, what's... uh. It smells like cod today. <laughs> it, sm- it smells like unseasoned cod. It smells like, hold on, seven pounds of unseasoned cod. Yeah. And then like every once in a while, it smells like 14 Domino's pizzas that get thrown in the garbage as soon as the Instagram <laughs> pictures are taken. But Oh no, please don't tell me. Oh, I don't want to know. I don't. Oh, there, know. there's a whole, there, there's an entire like evil industrial complex around cheat day photography on Instagram. Oh, so it's not real. Yeah, to, I mean, cheat days exist as a concept, but fitness influencers kind of realized mm-hmm. the way you get a ton of likes is if you look super fit, you have a cheat day, and it's gotten ridiculous to the point where people will post this like ridiculous fucking buffet table full of food being like, ha ha cheat day. And they just throw all of it away after. Oh man. Food waste is my least favorite kind of internet trend. I mean, fitness influencers are singing the song that will bring about the end of the world. So they're not great for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. Well, as long as they keep singing, the world keeps turning at least. Yeah, and it'll turn us right into Oblivion. Oh, the Elder Scrolls? Yeah, dragons! Patrick Stewart! <laughs> Sean Patrick Bean! Stewart. What was happening? Sean Bean! So, yes, that is the current stage we are at in this, this eternal feud, this 
this feud that shall keep turning to the end of time, I hope that we get much in the way of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I hope we get everyone is here. I hope everyone who's ever been in a Fast and Furious movie returns in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just a mention. Uh, I want Eva Mendez to come back more than anything. <laughs> I, I want every character, and by the way, this is why them going to the afterlife is the way to do it. I want, like, the penultimate scene or the ultimate scene in the final Fast and Furious movie is, I don't know, there's, like, a very big car or, like, a huge tank or, like, a some trucker evil... with a shotgun. <laughs> yes. Uh, the ultimate villain is someone who has hijacked one of those trucks that moves space shuttles, so it's the biggest truck on Earth, and they have a shotgun, and they're, like, barreling down on, on Los Angeles or something, and then you get, like, a sweet, like, three-quarter ground-up shot. It's Vin Diesel... In you know three thousand pounds of American, four thousand pounds of American muscle, racing for it, and then every single character, living or dead, has their own individual wacky racer's ass car that is perfect to their personality, and it becomes like a giant army of people in a bunch of different stupid cars, and then they fight the giant truck. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that, and here's why that's going to happen, John. Hmm. Uh, because these Marvel movies, right? They're pretty popular, and they're a connected cinematic universe, and now every studio is trying to do a connected cinematic universe. Like they've The literally... Eternals? Is that, I, is that I what you're referring it. to when you say Marvel movies? Like The Eternals? Yeah, I, the ones that came out in the past? Like Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, okay. Uh, you're doing a bit, but I'm making a point here. Um, every studio is trying to do a cinematic universe. So to, to capitalize on the success that Marvel has had, what's the biggest Marvel moment you can think of? Oh, it's got to be the one at uh, the end of Avengers uh, Endgame. So without spoiling it, I don't know, but just to reference it vaguely, the on your left moment, right? Yes, absolutely. On your left, but for cars. Yeah, exactly. So just as other studios are now trying to copy the cinematic universe feeling and they're trying to do shortcuts and make it work faster because they want that return on investment, I feel like we're going to see in the very near future an insurgence, upsurgence, I don't know the word, an increase on on your left moments. And what better way? It's the only way Fast and Furious 10 can incorporate everyone who's ever been in a Fast and Furious movie before. It's gotta be the group charge at the final thing with Sean Boswell and Lil Bow Wow, who has a legitimate name now, uh, like strapped to a rocket or some shit with Ludacris and all, like just all of them together racing toward the end goal. That's gotta be it. It's It's gotta be. It's it's the only series that's earned it. Yeah, honestly, because, yeah, they've been going for decades. Other people who try to do it, it's not going to hit quite as hard. Sorry. Eternals, I don't know. Do they I mean, do that? I don't know. Longer than the Marvel Cinematic Universe, actually. Actually, yeah. With less movies, but yeah, longer. Longer for sure. 
Yeah, only ones that have earned it. So uh, give us that. I still, to this day, uh, get pretty emotional at a at a big group charge at the final thing scene. Oh, yeah. it's uh, it really bypasses all your all the logical parts of your brain. Oh, for for sure. Like um, recently, Disney Plus revealed that they're going to release uh, wider screen editions. Of a, a couple of select Marvel movies, they're going to release what they call the IMAX cut, and uh, included in these uh, these I think it's like sixteen or so films, including in those films is the perfect Marvel trilogy of Thor Ragnarok, Avengers: Infinity War, Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame. And Ooh. as soon as they I saw those on the list, I was like, well, it's about time to for me to experience the most emotional trilogy i've ever experienced before again in a wider format and then on the wider format the whole on your left portal thing you get to see the characters you didn't see in the squish down format like obadiah stain is there bond james bond is there phil Uh, colston is back phil colston is back samuel jackson is there no not nick fury the actor the actor Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Paul Rudd. The actor Paul Rudd. The actor Paul Rudd. There, it, there, it's actually Paul Rudd from that limited Netflix series where he could clone himself. So there's oh, like 16 yeah. of them. Living with yourself. That was really good. Tom Brady's in that. Yeah, for a second. Yeah, for a second. Oh, but so yeah, that's where we are with the feud. I'm only saying that again to wrap up this conversation. Um, I, I have nothing to say. I, I will. We will both see Fast Ten, Part One and Two, and then it's over. And then we move on to the Venomverse. Which then Venomverse, baby. Is going stronger every day. <laughs> stronger every day. More Morbius. Morbius. I, I can't wait for the on your left moment in the Venomverse where all of the villains show up to punch Tom Holland in the face. Yeah. It's, they get the rights back to Spider-Man only to have him show up in the last five minutes and then be viciously murdered. Yeah. Just brutally slaughtered. Yeah. And then Tom Hardy's Venom's like, guess we don't need that guy. I don't know what the voice sounds like. Guess we don't need that guy anymore. Oh, hey, Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Crash, get in. We're we're going shopping. And he's just like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Uh, yeah, I think Crash Bandicoot is a, it's, it's on PlayStation. I think it's a Sony property. Who? It's Activision. Actually. Damn it. Fuck. Yeah, it's, it's a weird fucking loophole. Um, but Tom Holland shows up as Spider-Man and they, they, for some reason, demand that he speak in his original British accent. Yeah, it's weird. And then they, they all take out guns, even though, like, even characters that have never used guns before, and they all just fill him full of lead. And it's just like, that's really dark. And then Tom Hardy looks into the camera and says, we don't need him. We we never needed him. We're good at movies. <laughs> Jared Leto is here. We're just as good as him. If you would oh, only no. give us a chance. Yeah. Hi, Crash Bandicoot. Hello, main <laughs> character from Siphon Filter. I don't know what that means. That's a weird... 
That's a weird sentence. I don't know what else is a Sony-specific IP. I don't know if they own anything. Oh, mm. wait. Little Big Planet. Hi, sack boy. <laughs> Hi, sack boy. <laughs> I'm Venom. Oh, boy. Episode title, Hi, sack boy, I'm Venom. Hi, sack boy, I'm Venom. And just uh, like that, we're transitioning. <laughs> we are transitioning. Henry, I heard a little bit of news. Oh, did you find some news? I heard that we got engaged with... That's right. We are engaged with our listeners every day. I we mean, got both of us are what... technically engaged. Well, you're not engaged. You're married. I'm engaged. Yeah. Um. Yes. <laughs> you, I just you... thought it was you know, I, you know. The running, the running theme of this episode is you say something that just stops me in my tracks, <laughs> and I'm like, how do I get back on these tracks? Please get back on your tracks. We got an email, John. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and the email was very cryptic. It's very cryptic. It says, I just felt like you boys needed to hear about this. And then there's um, what a headline. And then it says, roast them yours first. Okay. So first, thank you first for bringing this to our attention. Thank you first. If you follow the link, the headline reads, Conservative thinkers, ideologues, announce creation of, quote, fiercely independent University of Austin Alternative College. Ah, yes. Uh, Henry, I I also wanted to share a little bit of news with you as well. I just got my acceptance letter to the University of Austin College. Wow. Are you in the undergraduate or the very, very weirdly tenuous master's program? Oh, I'm in the master's program. But, you know, since they don't confer degrees, I figured it really didn't matter. This news took over my news feed on Monday. And when I say took over, I mean the internet at large, not just my local Austin fam, you know who you are. My The internet at large was dragging this institution. And I can't use that word institution because they're not accredited. Dragging this building. And I can't say <laughs> building because they don't have a building. Dragging this idea. Yes, dragging this idea. By the way, their building, if you look at their their listed building, I think, is a law office. Now, speaking of accreditation, uh, part of their kind of open letter slash website uh, asks a question that I don't think any college uh, has ever had to justify. Uh, The question, as they stated, is, why are you seeking accreditation? (laughs) I feel like before we get that, let's step back just a moment. Maybe some people haven't heard of the University of Austin. So let me just say, they're building a university dedicated to the fearless pursuit of truth. Uh, yes, the f- bunch of free thinkers. Uh, do we do, do we want to get into uh, kind of the makeup of people who are behind the University of Austin, which is certainly not a scam? Sure, we'll get to that. Because you might have more insight. I don't know these people. I haven't. I'm not as plugged in 
any more to who the, the who, who people are. Um, I just want to read this. They So they had an announcement, and I just want to read the headline from the announcement. You'll get the idea of who these people are from this headline. We can't wait for universities to fix themselves, so we're starting a new one. I mean, it just sucks. Who are the people? Please walk me through this. Uh, the... I think the biggest one, there are a few people who are, uh, who are founders and going to be professors like Steven Pinker, etc. But I think the one that's maybe going to be the most indicative of what this institution is, is uh, kind of the tweet announcing the creation of University of Austin from one of its creators, one of its founders, uh, one Barry Weiss, uh, seems to have gotten the most traction. Now, Henry, do you know anything about Barry Weiss? I literally have never heard that name before. Uh, so Barry Weiss, uh, one of the University of Austin's founders, uh, is a pretty interesting figure because she performed a rite uh, that I would like to call self-cancellation. And I- I'd like to get into that a little bit because I think it actually speaks to what the University of Austin uh, actually is, if you'd allow me. What is Barry short for? Uh, B-A-R-I. I think it's just her first name. I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> now, Barry Weiss is a journalist, I guess. Uh, was a journalist. Uh, she was a New York Times opinion editor. Uh, she performed the sacred rite of self-cancellation by posting a 1,500-word resignation letter on her personal website detailing the new orthodoxy uh, in media. Essentially, uh, she quit and blamed all of her problems on everybody else. Uh, and this is a thing that is happening more and more frequently. Uh, essentially, she said that she was in an editorial meeting at the New York Times, and she described it as a civil war with the over thir- over 40 editors struggling to keep pace and fight for journalistic integrity, while the under 40 editors were fighting for for wokeness and fairness and PC, whatever. Uh, and you might wonder what would cause a, a spirited debate like this at the New York Times. It's because the uh, op-ed editor-in-chief at the time published an op-ed by, I think, Tom Cotton, saying that the military should uh, beat up and kill people who are protesting against the police. The New York Times is not a great institution. Wait, what? Why would, what? What? Why would Barry Weiss resign over that? Well, she resigned because they had an editorial meeting and she said she saw the writing was on the wall because all the over 40 editors were saying, oh, we're just fighting to give a, you know, unbiased voice to to journalism and anyone under 40 was just being like woke and uh, trying to stay in the way of the process. However... Uh, she did not resign over that. She resigned because a bunch of people on Twitter, uh, who I'm going to refer to as her colleagues, uh, <laughs> exposed that uh, it was a total mischaracterization. Uh, the closest thing the meeting was was to a conversation, and there was really uh, no culture war shit happening at the New York Times at that point. Uh, and I think 
uh, assuming that their accounts are correct. Uh, she was a liar. Uh, right. And, and, and was using it as an excuse to, uh, to whinge about wanting to post fringe shit in the New York times. Uh, okay. so then, yeah, she, then she, she, she resigned because li- she got called out. Right. She lied for clout, got called out, probably got more clout out of it. Exactly. This is a pattern that will repeat itself. She resigned yeah. in a, in a rambling 1500 word resignation letter, uh, bemoaning, like I said, this new orthodoxy in media and a lot of fun, totally made up words were used. So she self-canceled, which uh, is a rhetorical mode that is increasingly popular with people on the right and even people on the center, uh, essentially self-cancellation. And you've seen all the harm, the hallmarks of it. It's just quitting difficult jobs that require any amount of intellectual or emotional rigor in order to become a highly lucrative free thinker who's immune to criticism. Uh, I can think of four or five people who have done that in the last year. Right. And free thinking really ties in to what the Austin University stands for. Exactly. They stand for for free thinking and and breaking outside of this new uh, this new orthodoxy and thought by, of course, introducing a heterodoxy. Uh, If you look at any of the people uh, teaching their courses, uh, but. Essentially, this is something that people on the right have learned to do. And I don't even know if these are people on the right. It's just seemingly very lucrative now to cancel yourself. Because if you cancel yourself before anyone else can, it's unlikely you'll face any repercussions because you're not actually getting canceled for anything. And then you get to claim being canceled, which means hogs will throw money at you for your quote unquote uh, unbiased opinion on things now that you've exited the system and are on the other side of cancel culture. Comedians right. are doing this all over the place. Journalists are doing this. Writers yeah. of of all, e- even fiction the, yeah. writers are self-canceling now. Yeah, th- this is the, uh, the having a platform and then complaining about being silenced thing. And then from the generate the, the generated outrage of being silenced, you further your platform. Exactly. If you are someone who cancels yourself, if you make like an hour long bigoted special and then say, I've been canceled, then people can't ever criticize you because any criticism proves your point. Right. Even if they're criticizing you for canceling yourself, clearly anyone criticizing you is just a part of cancel culture. It's, It's become a boogeyman. And that's what I think the University of Austin really is, a way for these people to con people out of a lot of money. And they're playing into all of the weird tropes that um, people who are against colleges have um, (laughs) by calling out, like, we're going to be free thinking, unlike those other colleges that brainwash people when anyone who's been to college know that your professors are too fucking tired to want to push any agenda. Yeah. They just want to be left alone. Yeah. They, they are not pushing any agenda. They're just trying to make it through the week. Right. So uh, have you checked out the frequently asked questions section of the university of Austin website? I have. One of the questions is, why are you seeking accreditation? Which I believe 
it should be a pretty obvious question for any university. Yeah. So the way this frequently asked question section is written is very combative, combative. Um, it's very aggressive and it's written in a way like kind of tongue and cheek ish. Like they're trying to guess at what people are going to ask them. And it's, it's hilarious what they think people are going to care about. Um, like for instance, why is your acronym UATX? <laughs> Amazing. And their answer is such. What's the right word? Not pejorative. Patronizing. Such patronizing bullshit. U is for university. <laughs> Amazing. ATX is a popular configuration for Austin, Texas. Hmm. I'm surprised I didn't say A is for Austin. <laughs> T is for Texas. If you have to say U is for university, like, fuck off, right? Yeah, they they are absolutely assuming that their audience are the stupidest people possible, uh, which may, in fact, uh, be true. Now, of course, also in their frequently asked questions section, they say, well, what do you offer if you're not accredited and you don't you're offer so, degrees? You're getting so far ahead. Okay, okay. I just picked ones that I thought were interesting. The, I mean, there's so much more funnier things, though. Like, before that, like, do you have a physical location? And they give their address. But then they say, we're in the process of securing land in the Austin area for a campus. And they think the next logical question is, land? Are you serious? <laughs> Amazing. Because... What, you know, what university possibly would have land associated with it? I, I would love to get in the mind of the person who's asking these questions, such as, why are you seeking accreditation on land? Land? Okay, I'll let you do your why accreditation. I, I keep, I, I, I like going th through things in order, but maybe, you know, there's other structures, organizational structures out there. I mean, I, I just think that it's funny that they're saying, why are you seeking accreditation? Because I think for any university, that question kind of oh, answers yeah. itself. Right, right. Uh, yeah. But I think maybe more importantly is is the question of like, well, what do you offer? At which point right. uh, they say that they're offering some forbidden courses thing <laughs> this coming summer. And then within like two years, they'll have actual classes. And let me tell you. They are going to disappear so fast at some point yeah. during those next two years after they've gotten enough money. What, what What's crazy is they've got the order completely wrong on how they're rolling out their programs. Because um, they say, yeah, they're, they're going to start with these forbidden courses, which are going to be actual just like Zoom call discussions for the most part. Um, but then in the fall of 2022, we'll be getting will begin offering several Master of the Arts programs, starting with entrepreneurship and leadership. And in the fall of 2024, we'll launch our undergraduate college. Mm. So, mostly for colleges, if for those of you who don't know, undergraduate is where the money is. Like, you cast a wide net, capture as many people as possible, and then you hook a few of those to come back for graduate school and you've got a returning customer base. Mm -hmm. Like if you're thinking of this in terms of pure business, that's kind of the layout. 
Absolutely. And then they, yeah, then they go on elsewhere for their PhD, and they're right to not start a PhD program first because you, you got to create a groundswell. The fact that they're not starting with the undergraduate classes is sort of setting them up for failure because one, I would have to believe it's much harder to get accredited for higher education uh, accreditations than it is just for plain old undergrad. And two, you're not installing any, like, you're not, your your barrier to entry is too high. I mean, I I just don't think there's any reality where any of these classes come to fruition. And I don't think. You're absolutely right. I I think that if they're saying, oh, first master's, then undergraduate, all it is is them signaling our content's so good, we can only offer it to people who've only graduated, but later maybe undergraduate classes like this is just signaling how like impossibly smart and free thinky they are so they can bank as much of these people's money as possible before disappearing right it's a level of gatekeeping that is really only for the investors that it's not for although they say they're they're here for the students they really aren't because they would be starting with undergraduate classes if they really cared about the students absolutely uh, my favorite question is a question that just says, why Austin? And the oh, answer no, is... I, this one makes me so upset. <laughs> the answer is perfect. The answer is everything that's wrong with Austin. Here we go. Here's the answer. If it's good enough for Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, it's good enough for us. Ugh. Two people that have moved here within the last year. Yes. Meaning... We don't care about the long-standing history of Austin. That doesn't mean shit to us. What really, what's getting the people going? Two people who are in the news every day for a large swath of the population that cares about their opinions for some shitty reason. Yeah, two totally unqualified opinions in most matters that people care about way too much. Right. Everything about this the screams we're different it's like yeah it's like in the movies like i'm not like the other girls i'm not like the other colleges when i say that we stand for freedom freedom of inquiry we mean it we don't censor people although i bet if they like there's a progressive ideal they won't address it is my thing i mean okay but if we're saying that these people are against censorship in college. We're ignoring the fact that Barry Weiss spent her entire college career trying to get Arab professors fired for being critical of Israel. Like, Barry Weiss is very pro-censorship on college campuses as long as she's the one doing it. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it's the, uh, you know, the classic not... It's a censorship double standard. Yeah, yeah. Rules for thee, but not for me kind of thing. Yeah, it's the the right has been doing that with censorship forever. Is uh, if if our ideas receive any kind of censure, oh, it's censorship. Uh, But if anything disagrees with us, please shut it down. Uh, It's it's very see-through. But this is the same thing that like Trump University and PragerU have been doing. It's right. It's just taking people's money. I was, I'm was i somewhat concerned by the number of people who took this news to be like, ah, oh, this is part of the downfall of Austin. Now we're going to have this like super 
far right conservative college campus. It's, it's like, no, we're never gonna, going to have that. Yeah, it's going to disappear way before that. And Austin has problems, but the recent uh, failure of Prop A makes me think we might be kind of decent, even though two bad people live here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everything about this University of Austin nonsense reads like people who don't live here. It, it reads like an outsider's view of Austin, especially that line, if it's good enough for Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, it's good enough for us. Like, that is total co-opting bullshit that has nothing to do with people who actually live here because like yeah what are you gonna do what are you you're gonna move to austin the most progressive city in texas to have your free thinking college in a city that doesn't want you i don't know it's it's just it's not thought out at all i doubt they'll ever get any land i doubt it goes much farther beyond this announcement I mean, I just think it's a shame because it's a shame it's a grift because I did get my hands on some of the design documents, uh, some of the spec documents for what the campus would look like. And I think it's actually going to be pretty nice. Oh, really? Yeah. So first of all, uh, I mean, they have a a cafeteria. It's all Chick-fil-A. Right. Okay. So people are probably pretty happy about that. They have a, um, you know, when a university has been around for a while, they tend to have like halls dedicated to founders or, or people who were donated a lot or famous figures who went to the university. Obviously, the University of Austin uh, is new and doesn't have that. So it has a room full of bus, uh, bronze busts of cartoon characters that liberals made less hot. <laughs> Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Lola Bunny, Lola front Bunny, center. absolutely. Uh, now they they were going to have an athletics program, but of course the human body only has a finite amount of energy, like a battery. Uh, so they scrapped that plan. Okay, that makes sense. And uh, you know, just every classroom does start. You know, there's a uh, on a syllabus day, they make sure everyone sets up a Twitter and a parlor profile, and they pick the perfect Roman bust to be their avatar. All right. Alternatively, it can be an anime character. That's what I'm more familiar with. Yeah, anime character or Roman bust, it really depends on the kind of uh, persona you want. Uh, is the library just full of copies of Ben Shapiro's, I don't know the name of his book? Oh, uh, well, Ben Shapiro's books. Uh, there is, of course, the book about the president and then the book about sex. Wait, no, I thought he had a book where it was like a fiction book about um, a guy who's totally not Ben Shapiro but kicks so much ass. Yes, uh, that that as well. Uh, yeah. and And apparently the book he wrote about sex. Uh, interestingly for a college, they do have a sex education course. Right. Of course. Yeah. It's not co-ed. Not co-ed. No men only. Yeah. Men only. And, uh, it's the only purpose of it is to teach you that female arousal does not exist. Right. Right. I, I I also, I, I'm just very interested in this library because I, I just found out it also contains a list of banned books, books you should never read. Oh, yes. The library only has four books. Ben Shapiro's book about uh, how bad Obama is, 
Ben Shapiro's fiction book, Ben Shapiro's book about sex, and a book that is just a list of books you shouldn't read. Right. The list of banned books. Yeah. List of banned books. It's, uh, you know, you know, 14, 15 pages. There's 800 books in there. There's 800 books in there for sure. At least, you know, the list of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, of course, surprise, there's not a copy of the Bible in there. uh, No, you know. People have phones, Kindles, whatever. It's not really important to what they're trying to do, the content of the Bible, uh, so much the existence and the vague knowledge of what the Bible may or may not be about. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a stellar, stellar campus. Shame it'll never be built. Yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. I was looking forward to it being built right on the corner of, uh, of North Lamar and 36ths. 36 right a block down from the chilies a block down from the chilies interesting is there a 36 i uh i know there's like a 36 and a half okay because yeah 35th and lamar is the chilies oh those those streets go up to like the yeah there's 36 36th street okay yeah interesting well if any, if I know the Austin uh, realtor market, I mean, we we crashed Zillow single handedly. <laughs> oh man, I could talk about that Zillow thing for ages. Apparently, they were buying houses based on algorithms. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, they desi- they designed a sophisticated machine learning algorithm to buy houses so that they could be well positioned in the rapidly rising housing market. And uh, they bought a lot of houses for 65% more than they would have sold for naturally, uh, wasted a lot of money, are now selling the houses at a loss and laid off 25% of their workforce. Yeah, that's great. The person who designed that algorithm went to the University of Austin. I'm sure the person who designed that algorithm directly resulted in laying off a quarter of their workforce, and then he went on to like design algorithms somewhere else. Of course, yeah, that's what. No that's one what looks into how much machine learning models suck. They just care that you know how to make them. Right, they're super. Look, I know machines beat the top investors year after year on the market. Yeah, the machines that are mutual funds. Those machines, they cannot be stopped. It's unbelievable. I Machine learning is, uh, is a grift in and of itself. Oh. What I can't believe, though, is they didn't announce a mascot for this new, this new university. Everyone knows a real university would have a mascot. Yeah, I thought they were going to announce a couple different things. I thought they were going to announce... Uh, like a sexy Lola bunny. Right. They didn't right. do that. A, a guy in a suit. They didn't do that. Oh, I really thought they were going to do um, Paul McCloskey, Paul and Linda McCloskey, the people with the guns during the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. No. I thought they were going to do Dan Bongino. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. It seems like they, they've made like a weird emblem for themselves, but it's too small for me to actually look at. I, I would the, like it's to... It's the Capitol building. Great. It's the Capitol building. 
I would like to, of course, uh, recommend a Twitter account to people if they're interested in this. Uh, yeah, let, let recommend away, and I'll look it up. It is a University of Austin Classics at U Austin Classics. It is a very good Twitter account detailing the classes that can be found at the University of Austin, uh, oh, such as tweets uh, in the last hour, forbidden hand gestures courses. Uh, Perhaps my favorite beginning summer of 2022, Cancel Culture Censorship and the Fall of Rome. Right. And, uh, of course, beginning summer 2022, Rogo, Rogare, Rogavi, Rogan, the modern Socratic method. Oh, God. Uh, Beginning summer 2022, Big Naturals course. Big Naturals course, of course. Our Big Naturals summer program invites top students from other universities to engage and a pr- provocative discussion about the great men, and yes, even some women, of antiquity. <laughs> what natural leadership traits did Cicero, Caesar, and Cleopatra possess that made them big naturals? <laughs> <laughs> Important discussions will be led by top professors from Ivy League institutes who have hands-on experience with these big naturals. <laughs> It's uh, it's very good, and I think a secondary thing you can enjoy from that Twitter account is uh, this always happens as a knock-on effect of, of the internet, like, really bagging something. And the internet really bagged University of Austin, rightfully so. It was... Oh, they it dragged was, it. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was shot dead in the first couple days. Uh, but a lot of people in replies to this University of Austin Classics account really seem to think it's real and have a real bone to pick and don't get it and are really obstinate and can't be convinced it's a joke. That is really funny. Yeah. How to protect a capital course. It's very good. It's a very good account. How did the ancient Greeks and Romans defend the governments? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Oh man! It's thank it's you very for, good. Yeah, th- this is a good. <laughs> this is a good Twitter account, and they link to the University of Austin. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very bold. Oh man. Well, you got to be bold if you're going to start a whole new university. You got to, you got to be free thinking. What I love is, you know, when I think of the great universities, I think I of just how new they all are. You know, yeah, I I can't think of a single great university that wasn't founded within the last seven months. Right, right. That's how you know a university is on the cutting edge because they're so new. They've got no edge to rest on. They need to cut. They they need to cut. A university's only good when its address is an ATM in an abandoned law office. Yeah, I, I love sending my my uh, weekly tuition check to a PO box in Paladina. That's not a place. You gotta love. You only know a university is good when all the ink's still wet. Yeah. Wouldn't want it to dry because then it's old news if you get my drift. And then it's not free thinking. No, it's 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 accosted by the dryness of the ink, you know. It's being held down by the weight of not being fresh. 
And, you know, as we've discussed, I, a lot of free thinkers seem to think the dryness is very normal, so this is strange for them. Yeah, total opposite. Also, the fact that this is described as a liberal arts college. <laughs> uh, what, University of Austin? Yeah. Well, I mean, liberal arts doesn't mean liberal, it's... Uh, but I don't know that they could really call themselves an arts college, because it doesn't seem like they're teaching much art. Right. It's just weird, you know? You would it's think real. they would they would try to stir away from liberal arts. Not even just from... Not even... Or yeah. even because of the misunderstanding, but it just seems like these people would try to, like, you know, put put down liberal arts, because what is liberal arts but the pursuit of actual truth? I mean... I think you're absolutely right. From a marketing standpoint, considering they're not a real university, they could have kind of gone with anything. So I, I think it's odd that they didn't choose to go like, oh, we're calling this a free arts college, except it's not free. It actually costs quite a few thousand dollars. We're calling this a forbidden arts college. <laughs> Learn the forbidden arts <laughs> of questioning humanity's <laughs> deepest questions like why are white people the most suppressed group? Join us for forbidden courses where you'll pay $3,500 to sit in a two-hour-long Zoom call with someone who wonders why he can't say the N-word. Yeah. Ponder these questions and more. The University of Austin, conveniently located nowhere near Austin because we could not afford the real estate. And you will never, not even once, have to worry about finishing your degree, because that will be an impossibility, and also they do not confer degrees. Yes, no pressure, because we do not confer degrees, but if you get far enough in our programming, you will be invited to become a fellow of the University of Austin, and you can come back and teach other potential future fellows. And then it's not you... a pyramid scheme. Yeah, if you bring in other students, then we'll pay you more. You just have to move closer to your downline. Yeah, you got to get that downline up. All of my friends are chasing the tenure track, but I'm trying to chase the premium platinum diamond preferred professor track. On that track, I'll even get a paycheck. Uh, Potentially. Yeah, this is bullshit. I hate it. It's dumb, and the fact that the internet knows it's dumb is great, and the fact that I hope it never becomes a thing is great. The fact that it has Austin attached is bullshit. They would be better welcomed in a different place. Absolutely. We're all moving to Bastrop. Here we go. Bastrop move. Bastrop move. Hope it doesn't burn down again. Wow. Too soon. Too soon. I thought that was in the 70s. It was literally yesterday. <laughs> oh no, it happened again. Uh, well, you know, rip to those who died. I do feel bad. Uh, yes. Sorry, Bastrop. Oh, so thank you first for bringing this to our attention. And uh, no one sign up for that, for the love of God. Spend yeah. your money elsewhere. Absolutely. Give to charity and thank you first. Yeah. It's a great, it's great. We dedicated like, we dedicated like half the episode to that topic that our, our, our good fan, 
uh, suggested to us. And, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing we would do. We would, we'll do if you, you, if you have a topic, what am I trying to say? John, jump in any moment. If you were to engage with us, you would receive a similar amount of attention. Once again, to be clear, engage with our social media. Do not become engaged to us. We have been through this before. And as a result, I am now engaged and Henry is married. You cannot yeah. do this to us anymore. I'm tired of receiving rings. But if you wanted to engage with us, with us, if you oh, want to infecting en- you now, if you wanted to engage, I've been fighting so hard against it. If you wanted to engage with us in the traditional social media e-way, uh, you can do so on twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Oh, John, let me tell you what we stand for. We stand for the imperative truth at all cost, no matter the consequences. Big naturals. If you want to send us an email, you can do so too. Email at zerocredits.net. Fun fact, when I was editing the episode last week, I almost edited .net to say .com because I thought I bought the .com, but no, that was $1,700. So if anyone out there wants to do us a favor, (laughs) buy zerocredits.com for $1,700. We will never pay you back we are on a bunch of different podcast services apple Podcasts, spotify to name two but to name a few good pods pod chaser um pod save america uh (laughs) improv for humans network not stitcher uh we are on a lot of things find us there uh yeah that's where we are you know market proliferation of the podcast on these different platforms makes my job a lot more difficult. I really had it down to a science, but you know what is a science, Henry? That's um, right. Science? Oh. The science of numbers. What's two times two times two times two times two times two? That's right. If you tell two friends eight times, you'll have 16... <laughs> Uh, nope, two to the two to the power of eight people listening to the podcast, and just like at the end of the Stephen King short story Gray Matter, where the lady is doing two times two times two times two to figure out how long it will take for the bol- the the beer mold monsters to eat humanity. Soon, everyone will be listening to the Zero Credits podcast if you just keep telling two people about us because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive so tell stephen king to listen to our podcast i don't think he's going to he might i don't know he's pretty plugged in and from everyone here at the let's get stephen king on our podcast before the king cast podcast studios we want to wish you a happy week. Oh my god, what a coup. What a coup that would, that be, would be. I mean, they had Jamie Lee Curtis on. I doubt we're going to get Stephen King on before they do. Uh, we could really campaign for it. We could really try. Stephen, hit us up. That's the length of our campaigning. Goodbye. Right, that's all we could afford. And we're out. Goodbye. Goodbye.
I'm more tired than I realized. 